welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you here. Today, I am trying out a novel twist with a podcast. I'm going to share a short reflection and keep it short and sweet. Um, and, and this reflection is around a teaching in the, in the early canon of Buddhist teachings, and it's a teaching called the Story of Bahya, or the Discourse about Bahya. And it's a very interesting story in that it, it portrays a, uh, a character from the Buddha's day who was a spiritual teacher. His name was Bahya, and he had students, he was given respect, he was given support, all his kind of material needs for life were supported by his community of students, and I can find myself a little bit in Bahia as well as a yoga and meditation teacher who is supported by a community of students. It's a common model. Um, and I know about the doubts that arose in Bahia's mind. And uh, that's where the story begins, that Bahia, we, we meet Bahia as a, as a teacher meditating. And he's meditating in, seclu in seclusion one day. And while in seclusion, while in his meditation, a line of thinking in the form of doubt comes to him. And it's a doubt about his own knowledge. It's a doubt about his own attainment. It's, and it's a doubt really about his practice and path. And he really wonders, am I, am I enlightened? Am I even on the path to enlightenment? And while entertaining these reflections, a voice, an inner voice comes to him in the, in, in, in the sutta, in the, in the actual teaching, it's described as a uh, kind of a, a spirit voice or a devita. Someone, uh, it's the voice of a former relation of Bahia's who comes to him and it's, it's a female voice and she says, you're not even enlightened. You're not even on the path to enlightenment. In other words, not only do you not have a clue, you don't even have a clue that you don't have a clue. And um, this, the section of the narrative, the section of the story, I think speaks to the great doubt that can arise in any of us as we're practicing. We can have great doubt about, am I doing this right? Am I, am I progressing? I still have all these difficulties in my life. I still have, you know, moments of anger and jealousy and restlessness and, you know, narrow-mindedness in a way. And, and, and I've been practicing for a while. Like, am I, am, am I on the right path here? So this kind of doubt really started to burn within Bahia's heart and mind. And when his former relation, the Devita, comes and appears within his consciousness and kind of abruptly and brashly, even harshly tells him the truth, no, you're not on the path. No, you're not awake. When he hears this, you know, he doesn't collapse or shrink into a defended state of denial. He listens and reflects and holds close the, the data or the information, the communication that's coming to him from his, his former relation. And what's, what's quite dramatic here in the story is that when he really sits with it, he immediately asks his, this voice in his mind, and, or personified by the Devita, he asks, well, who then, who in this world who in this world of practitioners and seekers, who is fully enlightened? Whereupon uh, she replies and says, well, there is someone fully enlightened, i.e. the Buddha. And, and she gives the, um, her, her cousin 
Bahya, she gives Bahya the coordinates of the, um, the location where the Buddha's teachings is giving teaching. And at that point, Bahya really just drops everything, packs his little satchel, and starts trekking over the course of a day and a night to the destination of where the Buddha's staying and teaching. And we meet Bahya next, at arriving at this town where the Buddha's giving his teachings, and um, he asks around, where is the Buddha? Where is the Buddha? And the basic response he gets is, oh, the Buddha's here, but he's out now. He's out in town begging for his daily meal, for his alms. And um, he, Bahia is not, de not deterred by this, and uh, he rush, races off to, to seek the Buddha in town, and when he comes, a, comes upon the Buddha, he, he very sincerely asks for teaching. He asks to receive the Dharma. But the Buddha, you know, as these stories go, the Buddha says, uh, this now is not the time. We're doing something else. We're begging for our food. This is, we're on our alms round. This is not the time for teaching. Come back later. But these, as these stories go, there's the, the request that's um, offered three times. Please, please, please teach me. And after the third request from the sincerity of Bahya, uh, the Buddha gives him a teaching. And that's what I want to kind of bring you to now. Because the teaching that the Buddha gives, I think, speaks to us, speaks directly to us across the centuries from when he was alive to now. And, and so the, there's a timelessness to these teachings, and there's an immediacy to these teachings. There's a, there's a direct relevance to these teachings. Um, so we don't need to be Bahya. We don't need to have lived at a different time. We don't have to be uh, you know, from a particular place. We can, we can hear these teachings and really apply them to the immediacy of our life. And the Buddha says, this is the essence of it, this is the way to train yourself. This is what you should do, Bahya. You should train yourself like this. In reference to the seen, there will only be the seen. In reference to the heard, only the heard. In reference to the sensed, only the sensed. In reference to the cognized, only the cognized. This is how you should train yourself. Now, there's more to it than that, in the sense that the Buddha has other things to say in the sutta, and in my next talk, I will be really unpacking this that core teaching that he gave Bahya, reflecting on it, offering ways of engaging with it in practice. But in essence, the Buddha is saying, just uh, see things as they are. As you observe your experience, notice sensations, or it begins with sounds, notice sounds, Notice sights, notice sensations, and notice thoughts. And for each of these, for all of the sense doors, for all the sense experiences that we encounter in our moment-to-moment -moment experience, you should train yourself so that in the scene, in the object of sight, there is only the object of sight. In the object of sound, there is only the object of sound. There is... In, in the sensation, there's the only the sensation. In the thought, there's only the thought. That's, the, that's how the teaching boils down to. And what the Buddha's implying by, by virtue of, of um, you know, speaking, to, speaking to it this way, he's saying that there is no extra you there. So in the, in the scene, there is no seer that is separate from the scene. In the hearing, in the sound, there is no hearer or there's no... So nothing separate from the sound. When we get to thinking, 
in the thought, there is only the thought. There is no thinker separate from the thought. And that, that may sound very curious, may sound very strange, nonsensical, but it's the essence, in my opinion, of Vipassana meditation, the practice of um, early Buddhist meditation that endeavors to train the mind, train consciousness to see things clearly, to see things as they are. So the basic takeaway, I think, from this is how can we practice? How can we sit in a way that is so simple, that is so light of doing, meaning we're not doing things, we're not trying to be a good meditator, we're not trying to get into any kind of state other than what's occurring right now. We're not trying to um, create something, we're not trying to change what's happening, we're simply resting within the simplicity and the immediacy and the bareness of sounds, sights, sensations, thoughts. So take a little, take the Buddha's advice to Bahya, take it to heart, let the, the ancient teachings from over 2,500 years ago reach across those centuries into the heart of your own practice, and truly, in the sound, let there just be the sound. In the sight, let there just be the sight. In the sensation, let there just be the sensation. And in the thought, let there just be the thought. And see what that is like for you in your practice this week. Again, I'll be picking up on this sutta next week. I'll be uh, really uncovering some, or exploring some different reflections around it. But there's, um, I think this this teaching is such a wonderful one because it a it, it it's it's about a real person who was a real seeker had tremendous doubt about his own practice and he made good use of that doubt having his doubt energize the heart of his sincerity in terms of how he looked and I'll give a spoiler alert the spoiler alert is that Bahya does become fully enlightened. So this instruction to, that the Buddha gave to him was pivotal in Bahya's awakening. So stay tuned for more on Bahya, and I wish you all the best in your practice. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care.